Well, it's great to have you guys here today, and uh, we are in our second week in a series called Uncommon Community, Uncommon Community, and uh, look, man, you can rally people together all over the place, and that's called community, right? People getting together with other people and hanging out for a little while, you can have community, but uncommon community, like something that is showing the divine greatness of our God, something that is reflecting his unique impact in our life, what does that look like? All right, that's what we're going after today, and that's what we're going after in this series, Uncommon Community. And uh, so first question for you, have you ever been hurt by someone? Have you ever had that moment where someone has said something or done something, and you're like, what a cheap shot, or how dare they, or what were they thinking about when, and, and then it starts churning on you and burning in you. And, or maybe you're the one who said the cheap shot, right? And it's turning on them and burning in them. And how do we handle that? Biblically, as an uncommon community, how do we walk through life together so that we all can continue to take care of each other and not just hurt each other, all right? And today we're looking very specifically at forgiveness and what does it look like to forgive one another. So we're going to have the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. We're going to dive into Luke 17, four verses here, Luke 17. And we're going to dig deep, all right? So Luke 17, 1 through 4, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get ones to you. And uh, we're going to dive in here. Uh, forgiving one another. Uh, first step, uh, do not be a temptation to another, dragging them into sin. Do not be a temptation to another, dragging them into sin. And uh, you're like, well, that doesn't even sound like forgiveness. Yeah, we're not there yet. Right? It's really important we get the first two verses down. We have to get the lay of the land and understand our God's perspective on some things, all right? And so he starts out in verse 1. He says, and he, Jesus, said to his disciples, temptations or temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. Temptations are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better. You ready for this? This doesn't sound good. It would be better to have a millstone tied around their neck and that they were cast into the sea than that they should drag one of these little ones into sin. I'm just telling you, God's got a pretty real position on sin. And he says, temptations to sin are sure to come. In fact, this word, temptations to sin, it comes from one single word in the original language. It's where we get the word scandal from scandal it's like that evil thing that happened and 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 yet it's so it's got a backside of collapse that occurred but the front side is this snare that's what it literally means a snare a trap that's going to snap closed and trap you in the sin that's what the word's talking about and so they're like there's going to be snares that come along and in fact it says temptations to sin are sure to come in the original language, it, it leads with the word. It says, impossible to live without hitting a snare. Are you hearing it? He's like, I'm just telling you, if you're going to live life sooner or later, you're going to run into some temptations. That's the way it comes down. And uh, life is full of temptations, and they're going to be there throughout. He says, but woe to the one through whom they come. Woe. Like, that's a word that means basically uh, pain. Pain. Or remorse, or sorrow, uh, regret and shame, woe. 
You're going to feel it emotionally. You might even feel it physically. Yikes. All right, let's get a little real on sin here, right? And uh, just so you know, don't be dragging anyone into sin, right? That's what he's saying. He says, woe to the one through whom that temptation comes. And uh, we don't want to be dragging them down. It says it would be better, it would be better for them if a millstone were hung around their neck. I mean, this starts to sound like the Jewish mafia, doesn't it? <laughs> for real, right? He's like, I'm just telling you, hanging around his neck, pitch him in the sea. Better for him. And uh, not a fun end to life, right? And, and definitely an end. And, but it, he's saying compared to living and being the one that's dragging them down. And uh, it says it would be better. Can we just admit that anything would be better than that? Can we say, like, this is a bad thing, right? I'm not sure what exactly all is meant in the metaphor. I'm pretty sure he doesn't mean go get a stone and pitch a guy in the sea. But he's saying, like, I'm just telling you, this is a bad thing going down if you're the guy dragging someone down. And, and uh, let's make sure we're not there. And it says if you drag these little ones to sin. And uh, what does that look like to drag someone into sin? So I just wrote a few things down here. And maybe it looks like this. Maybe it looks like, uh, man, I, I, uh, I love to not watch my language. I'll say anything I want to say whenever I want to say it. And then maybe that drags someone else into not watching themselves. Right? Not only is it wrong what I'm putting on my lips, but it's also beginning to teach the ones around me, go ahead, you too. Or, or, or maybe it's, uh, you know what? I don't just like alcohol. I, I love alcohol. I abuse alcohol. I get drunk. And in fact, I don't like drinking and getting drunk alone, so I'm constantly looking for a buddy to go with me, and I'm dragging someone in. I'm like, come on, dude, let's go do this thing tonight, and I drag someone out into doing the very thing that they shouldn't do, right? Scripture doesn't say, do not drink, but it does say, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Be careful with the use of alcohol, and be careful about dragging those around you down into it, family or friends, and uh, watch how we live our lives. Let's be careful not to be one dragging them in. And uh, a couple other ones I put down here. Uh, gossip. Did you hear? I can't believe what I just heard. I got to share with someone, right? Let me tell you what I just heard. And then they're like, I didn't know that. Now I have to share with someone, right? And the little buzz network starts. And uh, are you a source of starting gossip up? And are you a source of stirring it? That's not where you want to be, man. And uh, let's make sure we honor God and honor his passion for uh, righteousness and holiness. And maybe there's a whole other kind of dragging them down that's going on. Maybe we're specifically hurting them. Maybe we're offending or we're causing them to stumble. We're hammering in a way that causes them to go down. And uh, we're not watching our words or our actions in that regard. Let's be careful. God's calling us to a clarity of understanding that dragging someone into sin is a bad thing. Let me just tell you this. Um, I'm the father of a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old daughter. Okay? Enough said. Right? Like, I've got a 16-year-old, and, and uh, she's a junior in high school, and I've got an 18-year-old, and she's now a freshman in college. And, uh, man, we have spent our lives raising these girls and loving on these girls and learning along the way where we need to get better and shaping and protecting and it kills me when I start hearing of someone mistreating 
and hurting them to try to make themselves feel better. Don't worry, I show self-control. Right? But I'm telling you, right? Dads, you hear of somebody saying something, doing something, putting their life at risk in some way, and you're like, all right, where are they? Right? And they're like, Dad, seriously? And you're like, seriously, we're going to have to have a talk with them. And, uh, right? Dads, am I like the only one? Don't leave me hanging up here. Like, Join me in this thing. I'm telling you, man, do not mess around, right? And, all right, now go up a level. God with us. Do not mess with my children. I love these kids. I'm pouring into them, and I'm shaping their lives, and I'm shaping their hearts. I can't wait to see them grow in me, and woe to the one who. You hearing it? That's your God for you. Man, this isn't some nasty little negative command about staying away from sin. This is a massive statement of love. God for you. On your behalf, wanting you protected, willing to lean in and put his arms around and say, I love this one. Be careful how you walk with them. That's God's view of sin. Okay? See, all too often we think of sin and we think of Christianity and the cross and we're like, ah, whatever, it's covered. And we get this kind of blow-it-off mentality. I don't know where that comes from. That's not in Scripture. And I know it's covered. Praise God for that. Right? If we trust Christ as our Savior, covered. But hear me, that doesn't mean, therefore, go dive in. Right? Romans 6.1. What, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And uh, let's long to have God's view of sin. And let's long to be careful, not only for ourselves, but what we're doing with others. Okay? So, uh, simple question. Uh, are you trapped in sin? Has the snare closed down and trapped you in a habit sin? Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's an action you're invested into. Something you're doing that you know needs to stop. And, uh, and today's the day. Now's the time. Just lay it before him and be done with the sin. If it's big enough that you can't carry it and you can't figure out how to break it, talk to an impact group leader, talk to a pastor. We would love to be able to help you in the midst of that battle. There is victory over sin through Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. man, that deserves a big amen. We have a God who has the answer. And uh, let's go to him with all we've got. Are you trapped? Time to get out. And uh, another question. Are you setting the trap for someone else? Time to be done with that. Okay? That's the first step in managing our sin. Lord, please help me see it through your eyes and protect your family, including myself, that you might get the greater glory. All right. Number two, uh, true unity requires rebuke, repentance, and forgiveness. Did you know that? True unity requires rebuke, repentance, and forgiveness. Those are three heavy words, huh? Rebuke, re oh good, I love rebuke. This should be a great day, right? Rebuke, repentance, and forgiveness. And I just wrote these words down. We've used this before in our biblical counseling statements, but peace 
is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of love, right? Peace, it's not the absence of conflict. All too often we try to fake peace by not having conflict, but in fact we're letting sin ravage our family or our friends, and that is not peace. Everybody say, that's not peace. I agree with you. That is not peace. And uh, so what does he say here? He says, pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. Wow, if we're not careful, that almost sounds American, doesn't it? Just think about you. That's not what it means, okay? Pay attention to yourselves. In fact, this is a nautical term, all right? It's a metaphor. It meant to take attack and stay on it, right? You set the course of the ship and you don't move it against yourselves. That's what he's saying. Set the tack of watching yourself carefully and don't get off that line, man. Pay attention to yourselves. And you need to know what's going on inside of you and around you. Pay attention to yourselves. Here we go. If your brother sins, blow it off. Let them do their thing. Because that's the American way. Is that what it says? Doggone it. Look what that thing says, man. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the word rebuke, It has a lot of judgment in it, and that's a problem. We're going to address that word in just a second, okay? And so when I think of the word rebuke, it has this harshness and this holier-than-thou and this massive judgment, and everybody say that's not what it means. Yeah, so we're going to figure out what it does mean in just a couple minutes here, okay? So it says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. That means we literally have a responsibility when we see the guy next to us getting into something he shouldn't be in. that settle. Think of someone you know. Maybe it's you. And you're in something you shouldn't be in. And someone's wanting to say something and you're like, what a jerk. That's so, so self-righteous. Telling me I'm, you have stuff to work on. And yeah, none of us is, everybody say nobody's perfect. We get that, right? And yet he still calls the imperfect to play a role with each other. And so he says, literally, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if, conditional, then forgive him. What? This little verse has a lot of trouble in it, doesn't it, man? Like, I'm not supposed to forgive unless he repents. Did you see that? If he repents, forgive him. Hang on. Now, I've been told over and over and over again that I need to forgive right away, that it's not godly to not forgive, and we're going to talk about that too, okay? we got to nail all this down, and so let's be very careful with it. I'm going to talk about the word rebuke in a little bit. Um, well, let me just say this about it first. Uh, rebuke, it does mean coming alongside, and uh, rebuke, it, it does mean uh, confronting, uh, pointing out a need for change is literally what it means to point out a need for change, all right? And we're just going to leave it at that. I'm going to say a lot more about it in just a sec, okay? Now, it says, if they repent, what does repentance look like? It looks like this. They're in the middle of it. They're doing it wrong, whatever it is, and they go like this. Oh, what am I thinking? Okay, good moment, right? And then they go like this. Done with it. I am turning, and I'm getting away from it. 
I am confessing, which literally means to agree with God. I agree with you. That is not where I should be. I need to drop it. I confess that. And I'm stepping away. That's repentance. Okay? True repentance. It is not just the. It's not just this. It is. Everybody looking here? It is not just this. Oh! oh I kind of like that. That is not it. Okay? And so we're going to see in just a little bit, though, that it can look something like this. Oh! Whoa! Lord, please forget. I agree with you. I'm away from that. And I so want to be away from there. I so can't explain to you why I want to be back there. And it starts drawing us back in. And repentance, it does involve a walking away, and it can involve a breaking back down at some level, and we'll talk about that in the third point. So hang on. But if they do repent, meaning they're turned from it, they're done with it, and they agree that God does not want that and does not like that. Repentance, it's three parts. I agree with you, God, and I apologize. Please forgive me, and I'm walking away from it. That's repentance, all right? So if you're working with your kids, parents, I agree with you, Mom, it's wrong. And, and I apologize, please forgive me. And I'm walking away from that. That third one's a big one, right? How often do we get the, all right, it's wrong, fine. Much like the hands off, hands right back on plan. And that's not what we're looking for. Truly understanding a repentance in the midst of it, all right? And uh, so, three parts to it, and uh, make sure you've got that. Forgive him, forgive him. Really important that we understand this word. There are four different Greek words for the word forgive. Did you know that? Four different Greek words, and it all comes down to the one English word. That makes a problem. Because there's nuances that are trying to be pointed out, and we miss it in the English. This one here is a word that literally means, ready? Transaction complete. It's sort of like when you're at a restaurant and the bill comes and you've done the little Visa card thing and they bring it back and you now sign your name on it and send it away for it to net, right? If they bring it back and they're like, hey, we're back again, we want you to pay again. And you're like, yeah, dude, it's been paid, right? Transaction complete. That's what they're saying here. If they repent, if they're like, whoa, done with it, right? At that point, they are now apologizing to you. Please forgive me for what I've done. Transaction complete. You're hearing me? That's the point being made here. Now, there is another word for forgiveness. It's a word that occurs in another environment. And uh, it's Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. It says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That's a different word. It says, live in a grace-based way with. All right? Live in a great, like in an ongoing fashion, a heart of grace, a wanting the best for them. That's the place we need to get to immediately. This thing takes place when we have an actual apology going on, all right? And uh, some of you, your heads might be spinning a little bit, so we put a drawing together. So let's pop the drawing up, all right? This is the DNA of forgiveness. And let's make sure we become experts on forgiveness today, okay? So here we go. On the far your left side, bitter. This is what happens the moment someone does something wrong to you and you're in kind of that prideful moment and you're like, oh, no, you didn't, right? 
hey, I'm going to bring some repercussions on you right now, right? When we try to hurt back, when we long for them to get punished by us, you know you're living in the bitter realm, all right? Bitter. So let's just walk down it real quick. It's that poison we drink to hurt another, right? Have you ever heard that phrase before? You're like, bitterness, can't wait. And the whole time you're drinking it, it's just killing your soul, man. You're not releasing. You're trying to remain in charge. And in fact, you're saying vengeance is mine, not vengeance is the Lord's. And uh, bitterness, it's an anger and a resentment that is just stirring on us. And an anger and resentment that we can barely handle. We can't wait for them to be righted. Somehow in this moment, we've decided truth matters. Now when it's us, we're like, grace, man. Right? you got to understand. But with them, truth. Right? And uh, bitterness is usually the source of that dichotomy in our life. Okay? And uh, so anger and resentment, our desires to hurt them, the unwilling statement at the end. If they come and they say, will you please forgive me? You know they're in bitterness when they go like this. I need a minute. Right? You were living in bitter camp. Because the answer needs to be, I'm so willing to see this restored. And sitting in bitterness when you're like, we'll see. Maybe tomorrow. I need some time to think on this thing. And uh, there's something you should have already been thinking on, man. Okay? So we're hanging in bitter camp. So what does it look like? First step. See the top there, the green? Resolve before God. That's come before your Savior and understand this. Lord, with all you've done for me. And with who I am before you. And with the work you've done on the cross for me. And, and so I'm resolving, that, Lord, I'm handing this to you. You're in charge, I'm not. And Lord, I'm hurt. I really am hurt. But I recognize there's a lot of things I do that probably hurt other people too. And please forgive me for being so quick to judge. Lord, I'm handing this thing to you. Please give me a heart that desires for them to know you well. Lord, may they be restored to you. May they know you, the God of love and peace. And all of a sudden, this gospel deep living starts settling in on your soul. And you start living this word called forgiving. Okay? You're in this forgiving way. That would be the Ephesians 4, the Colossians 3 word. Living in a grace-based way with. You're longing for them to know God. You're longing for them to get it restored. You're longing for a healing in their soul. Immediately, we need to be moving out of the bitterness camp and into the forgiving camp. Lord, before you shape my soul that I can want the best for them. And I know that in light of who I am, I have no business calling anything out against them. Please forgive me. I'm setting it down. I just long for your work in their life. Restore, rescue, heal. You hearing it? It's a sweet gospel deep moment as we immediately get out of bitterness and into forgiving. Yes, immediately move to forgiving. It is a reflection on who your God is and the work he's done in your life. All right, so what's it look like to be forgiving? Well, that's in light of Christ, the work he's done on the cross. That's released to Christ. I'm not going to own this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm giving it back to him. Let God manage that thing. And uh, this is a desire for them to be helped. This is when they, you know you're living in this mode when they come and they're like, will you please forgive me? And you're like, totally, dude. Absolutely. Excited for this to go well for you and longing for you to be seeing some healing here. Absolutely, I forgive. Right? If you can turn it like that for real now, 
I'm not saying just putting words on your lips. You know, the kind where you're like, oh, yeah, I forgive. Jerk. Not, not that. Everybody say not that. That's not it, okay? That's where we're sort of bitter. We don't want to admit we're bitter, but we're bitter. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be bigger than you. I forgive you. Loser. Like, let's not live there, okay? And how much before Christ do we need a Savior? Same with them, okay? And so bitter, forgiving, next category. Now, this is the Luke 17 moment. This is the word that comes to bear where we literally resolve with each other. Now it's a horizontal resolving. As there's an apology person to person, will you please forgive me? Okay? I'm sorry I hurt you in this area. Be specific when you apologize. Don't just walk in and go, okay, fine, I'm sorry. Everybody say, that's a lame apology. Some of you are like, that's how I apologized this morning. Get more specific, man. I am sorry for the tone I used. I'm sorry for the words I used. I'm sorry for how I jumped you with. Please forgive me. Okay? Be specific. All right? And uh, they come in. They're specific. They're apologetic. And Luke 17 says very clearly, if you rebuke them and they repent, then forgive them. It's release it. But in this case, debt done. Send the bill away. It's over. Okay? Fully resolved. And so that's the word we put up there. Released fully. And now it's time to rebuild trust. Please hear me on this one now. This is really important. Many want to try to tie forgiveness and trust together and make them the same word. That would be a mistake biblically. They are different words. All right? Be very careful on that. Should we be working on rebuilding trust as we have the forgiveness? Yes. Does some things need to happen for trust to rebuild? Yes. Be careful because that can quickly become the bitter game where I'm trying to hurt you back. But be careful if you're the guy who said, I'm sorry I hurt you so deeply, but now that I've said sorry, there should be no repercussions. I don't have to rebuild anything. Uh, that would be untrue. Okay? And rebuilding trust takes some time. And the deeper the hurt, the longer the rebuild. But both parties are excited for restoration to take place and process to take place that God might have his way in the soul. Okay? both parties working towards an end goal of full restoration and being excited to go after that, all right? That's a very important moment because I'm telling you there are people in this room right now who have been devastated. And somebody used a cheap cop-out apology to try to get past all the heavy lifting work of rebuilding trust. And uh, those need to happen, okay? All right, enough said on that. That's a whole nother message. And uh, so this is done, right? over. It's resolved now. All right. Now let's get back to that word, rebuke. Rebuke. Don't ever rebuke from the position of bitterness. It'll never go. Don't ever rebuke from a position of bitterness. That's when it looks like anger, judgmentalness. That's why you and I both think of that word and we think of it in the ill, the negative, because we know a lot of people who've done it from the bitter position. It's trying to hurt them under the name of helping them, right? And that's not rebuke. Everybody say that's not rebuke. Not from the bitterness position. It comes from the forgiving position, okay? It's the, I want the best for you. I long for God to heal you. I can't wait for this thing to be restored. In light of who my God is, I want you to know him and that peace going on. And that's a stunning rebuke that goes on, all right? 
and uh, rebuke. Uh, I just wrote this down, rebuke. Often we think of rebuke as pointing the finger. It is not a finger point. It is a hand held out. Okay, you hear the difference? Rebuke, it is not the finger point that's coming from bitterness. How dare you? Right, that's bitterness. It's a hand held out. Bro, I want to rescue you from what's eating you alive. I want to help you across to this other side. Come with me. God's got an amazing plan for you. I love my God. I love how he's been working in my soul. I have nothing to say to you other than I've been there with you and I'm going to be there tomorrow. Take my hand. Rebuke. All right? Coming alongside and longing to assist them through. Make sure you've gotten to the forgiving position before you go after it. And by the way, that's not the cop-out move. You're like, well, how come you didn't rebuke? Well, I wasn't in forgiving position. I was in bitter, so I was being responsible. And uh, yeah, get out of the bitter position, man. Right? Let's just get real. Get done with the bitter thing as fast as possible. Set that thing down, hand it to your God. It's time for that to be done. Now the next step. I care too much to let you hurt in that. I want to reach out to you. Okay? That is a DNA of forgiveness. So question, anyone hurt you recently? Have you walked through this? Now thinking, oh, uh-oh. Now I need to have a little chat and let them know where we're at. And, uh, or maybe you've already had the chat and they've turned, but you don't like that they've turned because you want it to hurt a little more. And so you're not releasing them to God and letting him manage it. Look, I'm all for building some trust. Be careful that in that name you aren't doing some serious damage because you actually were bitter and never released it to God. Okay? And uh, maybe you've hurt someone else and you know it. Please hear me on this. Today is the day to resolve it. No more present in your mind than right now, right? You're like, seriously, I know, Tim. Move on. Next topic. And... Uh, it's time. It's time to go take this to whomever and sit down with them and walk it through whichever side you're on and get things square. Hey man, in a church of 2,300 people or whatever we have here, oh, we got it going on, right? And some of it's between families and some of it's between friends and some of it's in an impact group even maybe or something. I don't know what I'm talking about. So if you're shrinking a little lower, I didn't know that. God knew that. All right? And just seriously, it's just time to get some stuff addressed. And all of God's people said, let's work on it together. Okay. Third step. True forgiveness does not keep count. True forgiveness does not keep count. He starts out in verse 4. And... Uh, says, and if he sins against you again seven times in the day. Do you understand how much that is? <laughs> like we're talking about every hour and a half, this guy's coming back with the same mistake, right? And, and like every couple of hours, same thing. Cheap shot at you or gossiping behind your back or something going on where you have to be like, seriously, we need to talk about it. Again, and, and so please, 
this hurts, man. Can we, right? And uh, seven times in a day, every couple of hours. And so that's why I was saying, remember, Scripture is presenting a repentance that can truly occur seven times in a day. Now, I know where you and I are at, right? First time it happens, we're like, forgive you. Second time, forgive you. Third time, right? As big an eye roll as you can get. All right, I forgive you, but, right? Don't we love to do that? This needs to be the last time, and, right? We're putting a count on it, aren't we? And uh, let me ask you a question. When you struggle with sin, is it kind of the same sin you usually struggle with? Right? Aren't we all in that bucket? Wherever you fall, you tend to fall there repeatedly, right? And uh, let's be careful. They got the same thing going on. And, uh, and so it does say more than even seven times. Why did he pick seven? Probably because that's God's number, and so it sounded real divine as he was teaching, right? And uh, it's not like seven is it, and then eight, you're like, never mind. Right? It's not that, right? And so this really is like, I'm going to have this unending desire for you to restore with your God. And if I'm a part of that process, then so be it. Lord, I long for you to have your way in their soul and mine, okay? If he comes to you even seven times in a day, and he repents, and he comes saying, I repent, uh, you must forgive him. Okay? You've been forgiven of so much. Hey, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you know him as Lord, if you understand what you've been released from, this is a no big deal moment. The more we cling to pride and self, the more we're going to have a problem with it. And so I just wrote this, top two reasons we do not forgive. Top two reasons we do not forgive. Number one, uh, pride. Man, you do not understand the fine specimen of human being that you have just wronged. <laughs> Isn't that really what we're saying? Like, do you know what you just did? Awesomeness right here. And you did that? Not awesome right there. And let's get this square. Awesome, not awesome. Now, come on, man. Right? Isn't that how we kind of approach life? And that's why they feel the finger of rebuke coming right out of bitterness straight from pride right? And uh, pride. And uh, second one, unbelief. Lord, I'm supposed to hand this to you, and I don't know if you have it. I need to hand this to you, and I need to know you've got it, and I just am not sure. I, I, I don't know. And, uh, in both cases, we have a small God, okay? And we got to work on that. Lord, please help me see you as massively in charge. I'm going to trust you with what's going on. I'm going to have this forgiving heart towards the whole thing. And if they come towards me in response to this little challenge, then praise God, I'm going to forgive and release this thing. May you be glorified. And the Lord, where I don't see you as big, please teach me how big you are. Best thing I can say is come to know your God. That's the fix. Little by little, Day by day, more and more, meet your God. It'll change this slowly, but it'll change it. He'll address this process. And uh, so the fix is a proper view of the cross and Christ's forgiveness. And I'll just say this, Colossians 3, 12 and 13, 
Ephesians 4, it just says, um, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, right? And then even as we have an example and a model, but it's more than just kind of mirror the model. He's empowering you as he works within you. Let Christ work. Have you been forgiven of much? Praise God, four people have. Awesome. <laughs> have you been forgiven of much? Yes. Man, we have been forgiven of much. Let's not walk around acting like we've been forgiven of little and I'm not going to give to someone else. Have we been forgiven of much? Yes. May God be glorified as we demonstrate that into this world. Lord, I will live in a forgiving way. I will live in a willing way and I can't wait to see the rescue. That is the DNA of forgiveness. Take a deep breath. Strong view of your God. Take a deep breath. Willing to lean in and talk to another person about where they've hurt you. Take a deep breath. Willing to release it as they say, please forgive me. Wow. No greater measure of an uncommon community than the heart of God and his forgiveness on display in the place, all right? And so here's my simple question for you. Who? Who's God calling you to talk with? Maybe it's because you were hurt. Maybe it's because you did the hurting. Who? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. We're just gonna take a little time we're going to take some time to hand this over to God. We're going to take some time to get some things real because let's be honest, it's fun to laugh it through. It's fun to talk it through. It's fun to even learn a little bit. But this is a deep heart issue, forgiveness. So let's walk it before our king, all right? Let's just bow our heads and spend some time in prayer here. Father God, we love you. We worship you. We're in awe of you. You demonstrated your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You have reached out when we did not deserve it. You have shown that you are love. And we are in awe. You are redeemer and savior. You are rescuer and king. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are in my life. Just spend some time worshiping your God and thanking him for who he is in your world. your name, that we can know you as Savior and Redeemer, our replacement payment, King of kings and Lord of lords, Almighty God. We have been forgiven of much. Thank you, Lord. 
for releasing me from the debt of my wrong and my selfishness and my sin. Thank your God for releasing you from much as you trust in the Savior. deep who you are and in awe of all that you do. Now, Lord, help us to step out in a gospel deep way. Who? Lord, who do you want me to talk with? Who do I need to share with? Maybe it's someone you know who is struggling, getting trapped in the sin. The snare is closed down and you're aware of it. And it's time to come alongside in a gentle, loving, restorative way. Who, Lord? Maybe you've hurt someone deeply. And it's time to stop the games and get to them. Repent and be done with it. Who do I need to be talking with, Lord? Who? Just spend a moment with him. In conviction, commit that name. God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Reveal to me, Lord, something I don't even know, something I need to be going after now. Father, one last time now in worship and celebration as we bring your glory before this body, Lord, as we celebrate all that you've done for us, we are amazed and we are in awe. First, that you came to pay what we could not pay. Second, that as we said, sorry, please forgive me, you embrace and bring us close, not worthy, and you release us of that debt. Lord, that over and over again as we come back with sin, you forgive. Lord, help us to remember that time and again as we go to the ones next to us. And Father, we thank you that you have an amazing plan of transformation. Your spirit at work in us. The glory of the Holy Spirit pouring over, transforming us from one degree of glory to the next working on us from the inside out, changing us. Lord, may this be a step right here today 
where you get the glory as you are shown off in this body. It is in the powerful, saving, redeeming, healing, restoring name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And all of God's people said,